Patrick Pitts from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. You're around about a third of the way through your fantasy football season. Yes, hello, it's MJ sounding marginally different. Or better, depending on the way you want to perceive it. Hello, I hope you've been enjoying your fantasy footy season thus far. And if you haven't, that's okay. We're here to help you across Dream Team, Supercoach, and AFL Fantasy. Who knows, we may even sneak into some drafts and daily fantasy, depending on how the question goes our way and the rest of the podcast. Uh, Joining me on this podcast, a real one-on-one chat. I'm looking forward to this one. I've got the Rain Man back on. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, going well, MJ. Looking forward to chatting tonight. Uh, we've got a whole ton of questions in from our Patreon. If you want to join that too, you can at patreon.com forward slash coaches panel. If you're loving the work we're doing here and you want to support it, that is one of the great ways you can do it. Uh, there is some real big question, Rain Man, uh, and real big dilemmas coaches kind of find themselves. We're getting closer to the buys. Uh, I want to talk about that in, in just a little bit of a moment in terms of how much that should or shouldn't be starting to impact our planning as we get in. But right off the top, I'm really curious, and I know you've got a Carlton bias, so as best as you can, try to put that to one side for a moment. It's always hard for us to put aside our biases of the side we support. But when it comes to Sam Walsh, he's far and above exceeded anybody's expectation as a cash cow. No first-year player... Um, maybe Toby Green's got the closest to him at this point in time, uh, has really been able to do what he's done. But from a cash perspective, he's pretty much topped out in terms of break-evens across the formats. He may have another 10,000, 15,000 left to go, depending on the formats and, of course, what he does this week. But is now the time to move him on or is that his buy round the time to move him on? What should we be doing with Sam Walsh? Yeah, look, my thoughts on it, MJ, are probably still to hold, but but it, it comes down to every team's situation. So I think the question you've got to ask is, if he does go out, you're obviously going to upgrade him because you're not going to downgrade because mm. that just doesn't make sense. What does your M8 position look like? So if you're then running an Atkins or a Butters or a Hayes or a Hately at M8, do you actually win in that scenario? So mm. I think you've, you've really got to think around what the benefit is. I, I think there is argument there. If you're strapped to cash, and we know that that has been a concern this year, if you, let's say Supercoach, for example, if you can get him up to Nat 5, that could be a good win. But the, look at the balance of your team and what does it mean for your M8 position. So I think whilst he's slowed, I think um, he's a kid. That's going to happen a little bit. But as far as, you know, he's got a couple of 120s under his belt. Yeah. And we've really noticed, I think for me, it's the last three weeks. It's interesting if you look at that Colton midfield, which I do a lot, um, mostly by myself, um, that you can notice that um, with Setterfield out across the last three weeks, it's actually impacted Walsh and Cripps to an extent as Mm. well. So if you look at them, um, Walsh has dropped 10 points with Setterfield out of the team, and Cripps has dropped 25. So it kind of talks to the contested um, hitting a bit of muscle in the middle and actually helping them out because that's, you know, look look at how Walsh plays. He's he's inside on that contested, but then he gets the run from the outside as well. Um, He's missing that without Setterfield. My thoughts are Setterfield straight back in this week because they're going to make some some fairly big changes. So. I'd be really reluctant to cull him early. And, and to your point earlier, you talk around his buy. Um, 
he's got a late buy, which is perfect. You wait for your, your round 12 players to come off, midfielders to come off their buy, and that's the guys, your five that I talked about. McRae, Bontempelli for Supercoach, Zach Merritt, or even then going to round 13 to upgrade him before his buy. You've got Neil, you've got all the Pies midfielders, you've got Oliver, you've got Brayshaw, Gap, yeah. Yo. So I think you've got the options there, and it actually gives you a few more weeks to look at some of those. And some of those guys are, are, you know, still have some quite high break even, so why not wait? That really is the dilemma for coaches, isn't it? We know he's going to likely play every game from now right up until the end of the bye. Carlton's right in that season of life cycle as a football club where they just need to keep exposing him and and plenty of other players to the elite level of AFL. But we're not going to get him more than likely. More than likely, he's not going to be at his peak price at the end of round 13, entering into the bye rounds, round 14. But what I'm hearing you say is, that necessarily isn't a bad thing because he's going to open up some opportunities. He gives you a really clear trading plan. Um, and so even though you may lose twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in terms of cash in the bank right now, the points you make during and the cash generation you may get back during the multi-buy rounds, the opportunities opens up that maybe you can build the case for holding if you need to. Yeah, I think so. And uh, there's probably a bit of a case similar to Tim Kelly last year. Yeah. He was actually really handy just to hold. You know, he's, he's, he's made a ton load of cash. Um, he's reliable. He's going to play every game. His role isn't in question. Mm. Um, his score, even his bad scoring is still, you know, an 80. Yeah. Um, so where, where else are you going to find that? We've seen guys like Libba and Rocky and some of these more speculative mid-prices, whilst they've had some high-end, they've also shown their floor as well. Mm. So I think you, you, wherever you go, even with a, a, a primo upgrade, they're going to be prone to something. So, yeah, I, I think to your point, let's just run it and see for a little bit. I, I think you, you gain more benefit than you do by doing that than getting rid of him now. Would you be opposed to someone doing it? And I know, I know every side's unique, and that's something we talk about a lot at the coaches' panel is there's – 30 different variables in your side every given week and then you've got the variation of what how many trades you've got left in the limited trade formats, what your bench cover's like, um, how much cash you've got sitting in the bank. So I know there's so many different variations that need to come into place, but what could be a reason someone that would consider that you'd kind of tick off, so to speak, a trade of moving Walsh on this week? Is there any kind of circumstance and scenario you can see that playing out or do you still think the best players not run him till the buy no matter what? No, look, I think I think it can play out. So, for an example, it's slightly different, but I, I got rid of Constable last week in limited trade formats. Yeah. And I know he wasn't named, but he look, he, he had some really good similar scoring. But for, particularly for Supercoach last week, I could get Nat Fife at his lowest price by trading Constable. So, for me, that was a win to do that. Yes. Um, I think you could probably look at similar circumstances. You know, maybe someone who, uh, who's... I wouldn't go to a top end like a, you know, a, a Lockie Neal, for argument's sake, who's still got money to drop. But one of those guys that's just primed with a low BE that is about to explode and you're not going to get them any cheaper, that would be the only probably reason that I would look at getting rid of Yeah, no, and I think that's fair enough too. And uh, Tim, not just Tim Kelly last year, but Sam Walsh this year is, as you've said, that perfect guy to run to the buy. So if, if he's your avenue to get to the guy that's at a basement price for you, that premium you desperately want, he fits with your buy structure, 
fine, fair enough, go for it. But if you can structure out your trades and your plans so that if you are a Sam Walsh owner, uh, which a large majority of the competition are, um, then fair enough, absolutely run that right up to that buy round. Speaking of the buy rounds, we're around about Rain Man. We're around about a month away from it. We're entering into round eight. The multi-buy rounds are 12, 13, and 14. We've spoken about them a lot throughout the preseason and over the past couple of weeks. But really now, coaches do start to become very acutely aware of the multi-buy rounds. I've got a, a ton of questions about them I want to throw you away. But I guess first up is, if you look at your buy structure now and you realize, oh boy, I'm in a world of hurt. Are you too far gone to fix it now and you've just got to embrace the the pain? Or over the next four to five weeks as we enter into the multi-buy rounds, is there some work we can do to not just improve our side but also minimise the pain of that three-week period? Yeah, look, it's a hard one. You, you can you can pl- you can over plan for buys, but you can also just be cognizant of them. And I think that's what you need to do right now. So if you look at and, and we know that on across a couple of the lines, they're very heavy in certain buy rounds. I think it's just starting to consider those now. So let's face it, most coaches are in an upgrade season pretty yep. much now. So yep. they're either doing you know one up, one down kind of this week. I think it's being really cognizant. And, and what I do is really simple with a pad and paper. I write it all down and understand where my primos look on each of those buy rounds. Also understand where the rookies are though. So don't just think primos. Think where your rookies have that buy and when mm. you can move them through. And I think the other thing is if you can work it, um, understand what you can do with your DPPs within the buyers round as well. And someone like um, Noah Answorth is a really good call this week because he does have that DPP um, defensive midfielder and he's on the bubble. So someone like that where you may have considered, look, is he actually worth going to or not? Could well actually solve some problems for you. So don't just think this week. Think around what that could actually do for you across that three-week buy period. And should you ever sacrifice your ultimate objective of the players you want for the sake of buy structure? Or is there an in-between ground in there as well where you need to do factor in this three-week period of time because it is the greatest moving period you're going to get? Now that sides are a little more set, um, premiums, we know where they stand, the cash generation of our cows, at least the first lot is starting to top up. Um, We know from previous seasons of playing fantasy football of all formats, the multi-buy rounds are the last big moving period that you're going to get to fully know where you kind of sit. Um, but should you ever sacrifice the the type of premiums you want to upgrade to just for a buy structure? It's a really tough one. And probably, again, like we say, everything's team dependent, right? Um, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, I can see that there could be reasons for it. So if you look, if, if you don't have a, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just going to throw out a, a Trelaw sure. or a, a Gaff or, or, or somebody and you're really heavy in that buy round. So, so probably the, the round 12 buy is probably a good one to look at for the forwards, right? So mm. we've got some, some popular guys there at the moment where you've got Mundy, you've got Boak, you've got Caleb Daniel, you've got Josh yep. Dunkley, um, throw in Waters. Uh, you, you know, you've, you've got yeah. a, a few that are there at the moment. So consideration may be if you're looking at Caleb Daniel and you've already got three of those round four players, it's a real consideration. Can you can you move any of them with DPP into your mids to balance that? Mm. And look across your whole side, not just that line. But I think I think you're right. I think you need to really consider those buy rounds. I think what people are doing right now is they're looking at ownership percentages for a lot of those players that they want to 
bring in. Mm. And they're generally looking at somebody with a low ownership percentage for that point of differentiation to get a leg up on the competition. Sure. So that's going to run out. So you're right. When you start to think around the buys, that's the time that you move. And you can move so dramatically yeah. that, you know, the, the, the rounds where you, you know, you might be 100 points up above everyone else is great at the moment and you can do some moving. But across 12, 13, 13 and 14, that's where coaches win or lose this thing. So I think making sure you're cognizant of your buy planning and if it means that you need to sacrifice a player. So if you've got a, a for an example, in the forwards this this week, if you've got a toss-up between a Caleb Daniel and a Jeremy Cameron mm. um, and you're heavy on round 12, well, maybe you lean on Cameron yeah. and, 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 and you balance that difference, which shouldn't be much from a points percent percentage at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's using what you've said, the, the buy structure, to kind of help make that decision for you when you're kind of like, well, cash-wise, they're similar, um, you know, Scoring-wise, you predict them to be similar. Well, you've got to find something that's a circuit breaker, and potentially the buy structure could be a circuit breaker for you. Uh, I'm curious. We talked about round 12. We've got Essendon, Port Adelaide, Fremantle, St Kilda, the Western Bulldogs, and Hawthorne. It's probably more you you did talk about the line that's going to create the most chaos for us that week would probably be the forwards of, of all the lines. That's the one that's going to more than likely trip coaches over if they're not too careful, if they're too overly heavy in that line. I'm curious, when we talk about round 12, now we're entering into round eight this week. When is it too late to trade these guys in from round 12? Because we know over the next six weeks, we're only going to get five games from them, for example, uh, as opposed to someone from uh, a round 14 by where injury or suspension, those things pending, they're going to play every week. So when is it too late now to start looking at round 12 guys pre-buy? And when should we make that cutoff point? Yeah, again, it probably comes down to where that total points look uh, over the scheme of things. So uh, I, I think you can still trade up probably the next one or two rounds. I wouldn't go any further than that to do that. So I, I talked earlier about um, me getting rid of Constable for Fife last week. Yeah. Fife, Fife in Supercoach was my fourth round 12 midfielder. Right. Now that's really heavy and that kind of concerns me a little bit, but it was the right play to make for my team. And, and I wasn't going to get him any cheaper. So now I, I wasn't thinking just of that round. I'm actually thinking around, what am I going to do with my other three round 12 by players? And one of those is Liver, who's going anyway. Sure. Um, sure. But, but what does that actual balance look like so that I can make sure that I only have three at, at most in that round 12 by so I can get towards that? So I think you can still trade in a round 12 player across the next couple of rounds, probably max, but just understand what you can do to mitigate that when you're coming into the buys. So we're really talking about uh, no more than two weeks ahead of their buy, and ideal's probably three. But once we're two weeks ahead of that side, that player's buy round, look, you're not going to get the maximum return on that trade in that period of time. Um, And and so what I'm hearing you say is as we enter into round 10, you you probably shouldn't be considering any round 12 guys. Um, You're only getting two games out of the next three, and and that's not worth the return. Instead, start looking at the round 14 guys if you're not too heavy in a a trade for that movement. Yeah, I think so. And and look, I think realistically, if if you think of people that are listening to this podcast are generally hardcore fantasy players. So there's a hell of a lot of people that aren't that probably even haven't considered the buy round. So we're probably working on an 80-20 rule, right? So we need to maximise 
if we're in that 20%, how do we best maximise that so we can jump those rankings? And that's where these conversations and, and this kind of thinking starts to lead you into that. Yeah, no, fair enough too. You talked about Nat Fife last week wearing Supercoach. He was ripe for the picking, both in terms of the opposition, and so the fixture was right, um, but also just his price point. It was, look, barring something catastrophic, you're not going to get him this cheap again in 2019, if not any time over the next handful of seasons. Um, So he was ripe for the picking last week. Who were some guys across the formats this week that in different positions that you've identified that you go, if you needed a midfielder, forward, a ruck, or whatever it is, these are the guys to target. Maybe let's talk Supercoach primarily um, and, and see if that bleeds into some of the other formats, but who are some Supercoach targets that you think we should be considering right now that are, that are pretty ripe for the picking? Yeah, let me. we'll, we'll do it logically, right? I'll start in defence. Sure. Um, now, some of these may be price-dependent, some of them may be buy-dependent, and some of them might be match-up-dependent. Um, what I'm generally looking at is some of the lower ownership guys that are either coming back or are just, you know, to your point, are ripe from a price perspective. So one that jumps out to me, very low ownership, and their defence is playing fantastically at the moment, is Luke Ryan from Frio. Mm. Um, from a super coach perspective, I think his worst score might be mm, maybe low 90s. Right. Um, and he has a, generally has an insane track record at Optus. And they've obviously played a power of games there. Um, they're there this week, um, which should see him score fairly well. But he's coming off, I think he scored something ridiculous around 140 or 150 last week. Yeah. Um, the way that that Fremantle backline is gelling, I just can't see him uh, dropping off. I think they're, they're using the ball really well. And the way that he certainly intercept marks and, and runs off, He's playing with a bucket load of confidence. So I think he's a good pickup for Supercoach. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of others. So uh, some that are running into form at the moment, Tom Stewart is another one. Uh, the way that the, the Cats are playing, Tui has been out of that side and potentially coming in, but I don't think that impacts him because I think, again, he's an intercept marker and they use him in that chip game quite well. Yeah. Um, and the other one... Uh, probably if, if I'll, I'll just turn my attention to, I guess, Dream Team and Fantasy for a minute, is um, there's two. Jack Crisp, um, who kind of bounced back with, I think, a 105 last week, which was a, a reasonable score. And again, when the Pies are playing that chip game, he's instrumental in that. Yeah. And, and a bit of a left fielder, and this could be probably more of a fantasy, I really like what I've been seeing of Ryan Burton the last couple of weeks. feel like he's starting to hit his straps. Um, and he's finding a role in that power midfield who, uh, sorry, in, in kind of that wing midfield running half back um, where he's just showing the player that the Hawks identified before they traded him. Yeah, look, he's certainly, you know, got oodles of talent as a fantasy footballer. And we've seen the peaks of that at times at Hawthorne and a couple of nice scores uh, so far at Port Adelaide. It'd be risky, no doubt, but there's potential there. And it is the kind of trade that you make in AFL fantasy, really, isn't it? Where there's the yeah. potential, there's the possibility, you flick that trade. Are there any other guys that you're pretty bullish on that you think, oh, look, there's some real potential there that are that are ripe for the picking or do you want to just kind of keep some cards closer to your chest? No, no, look, uh, let me talk around midfields and forwards sure. as well. Rux, Rux, I think, is probably, everyone's trying to kind of go on the big two. They're, you know, they're enjoying the run of O'Brien if, if they've got him. Yeah. 
Um, I think, look, Westhoff's been kind of highly talked about in the last week, given his last performance, but it takes a brave coach to go there, I think, um, given what he dished up earlier in the season. So I probably wouldn't look there. But I think in the midfield, um, if we kind of put our super coach hat on again, all the talk at the moment is around Trelaw with Adams out, mm. and he's certainly shown what he can do. But don't forget his old mate, the Pendlebury. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last two weeks, he's just back to that the classic uh, Pendles of old. Mm. And he's only come out recently in the media saying that he actually played injured last year, which can kind of talk to some of his scores. Um, if you look at their upcoming run, they've got some some pretty tasty games. I think they've got Colton, yeah. Sydney, St Kilda maybe in the next three. His, his record against Colton, I think he may have gone under 100 once in about his last 12 games. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. yeah, and look, he... He's a proud, he's a big game player. They're playing fantastic football. Um, he he looks really right for the picking. And the other one, which probably jumps out from a super coach perspective, and again, had a really down year last year and in a really poor performing team, is JPK. Mm. Um, doing some really good things, uh, carrying the load all on his own, but seems to be relishing in it. And, you know, he's consistently putting up kind of low 100s or, or mid 100s kind of at the moment. So I think he has some potential. Um, and the other one, the last one that I'll talk in midfield, and again, probably more super coach bent, is Elliot Yo yeah. starting to come back to, to what uh, we saw from him at the back end of last year. I think he's got good things on the way. And, you know, West Coast are, are a very dominant team that are only going to get better. They've been a little bit patchy, but I think they're all starting to find their role in that kind of premiership hangover piece. Is Yo someone you'd be considering in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team as well? We know in Supercoach he's, he's coming off the back of that really nice score last week against Gold Coast. Two of his previous games before that were 110-plus scores at a couple of 80s in the mix. Is he also coming in into his own back again for AFL Fantasy, or is he very much for you and, and for Dream Team, or is he very much for you more the Supercoach selection? No, look, I think he is because I think I think it's a really funny year in fantasy and dream team scoring. So I think that you can throw a blanket over probably, uh, I reckon, 12 to 15 guys that could all be top eight. Yeah. Um, so he is certainly in that mix. And we talked earlier around buy structure. He could be a, a, a player in that, you know, in, in what the buy structure looks like, um, given that he, he has a bit of variability with his buy. Yeah, no, and fair enough too. And look, he's considerably cheaper than if you were looking at a gaff, for example, yeah. in, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Yes, he probably doesn't have the same scoring consistency, but probably arguably has a, a bit more ceiling about him too, um, yeah. in, in contrast too. So look, you know, positives and negatives with every single one of them. And, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? We've, what I'm hearing you talk about as a constant theme throughout this episode is it's about it's about planning and preparation and then it's just about timing the execution of it and looking at your side both where it is now as you enter into round eight and kind of almost looking at what you want your side to look like now at round 15 we've got enough data to suggest we should be able to see which premiums are are bottoming out and but they've bottomed out because of an injury or because of a role readjustment or players in or out of their side and around them we start to know which premiums are genuine and which are guys that have just had a ripping start or not 
Um, and, and so really it is that time for a fantasy coach to almost reevaluate the plans and strategies and go, okay, as I enter into round eight, what do I want my side looking like as I enter into the buys? What do I need it looking like on the outside? And while you can't future cast for every cash cow coming through the multi-buy rounds, you can start to identify there are going to be clubs that start to put the queue in the rack and they're going to give kids an opportunity. We're not going to see Sydney far from giving all their kids an opportunity over the next couple of weeks. Um, if things don't go Melbourne's way, they're going to keep doing it. Carlton have been doing it all year and will continue to do it again, giving their kids opportunities. North Melbourne need to give their kids opportunities. So while you can't future cast for everything, I guess the best you can do is plan, prepare, and then just hope for the best. Yeah, and I think that that's it. And being fluid with your plans as well. So I think, um, you know, people that are non-Whitfield owners, for argument's sake, yeah. would have been thinking, or even uh, Jake Lloyd, would have been thinking, I'm going to get him as soon as I can afford him. Now, both of those guys have reasonably high break-even. So yeah. you might have been planning to, hey, by round nine, I'm going to have those guys in my team. It may actually be a better play now to hang off until post their buy yeah. um, to actually get them. So... Plan ahead, but don't be so stringent on your plans that you don't look at that flexibility across the way. The same could be said for, you know, Lockie Neal or Jack McRae. You know, their break-evens are now kind of skyrocketing, so the smart play is to hold off mm. rather than committing to that, that decision that you might have made a couple of weeks ago that as soon as Lockie Neal has one bad game, I'm on him. So I think you've just got to be cognizant of what you can do, but also what your backup plan is just in case that doesn't work out. Hey, I like it, man. That's some very, very good advice. Let's go to our Patreons who have asked some uh, questions. And if you want to join the Patreon army and support the Coaches Panel, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Coaches Panel. The first question comes from Luke French. We're going to throw it out clearly just to you, mate, because you're flying solo (laughs) on this one. Uh, He asks the question, is Liberatore a must trade? Uh, Does he hope he comes good and, and run him into any player? But it means... He can turn him into, you know, play Hayes on the field and turn him into anyone. This is for AFL Fantasy. Or or does he look to upgrade Gibbons to Fife and bench Hayes? What should he be doing? I suppose there's two questions there. It's a very specific thing. And then it's a Liberatore Mm. one. So maybe talk Liberatore in general, and then we'll give Luke a bit of help with his question inside. Yeah, so Fantasy, I'd I'd ask Liberatore and go up as as best as I could. Um, I think across the limited trade formats... uh, uh, if if you need to, then do it, but you've got to go up, obviously. You're not going to go him down to anyone. Um, so it's it's who you can afford to go up to. His break-even's creeping right up. If that's, if that's your worst situation, I think he still does have the opportunity to, yes, he's going to drop some money over maybe the next two rounds, but he might be okay to run for another three or four weeks, potentially, if that enables you to then do something that's going to actually suit your buy structure. So um, I think fantasy, cull him, his super coach and dream team, if you've got him and you can get him to somebody that you've really been targeting, do it. Um, I'm in the situation with Liver in super coach and I'm actually going to hold him for another week um, just because I think there's yeah, he, he's got to be better than what he was. And but, hey, maybe I eat my words on that, but I'll give him another week and see what that looks like. As far as the, the other option of, of getting up to five. Again, in fantasy, look at the balance of that structure of your team. So yeah. Hayes on field, um, what, what, what are you banking on there? So you're not going to be getting a, a 95 or 100. No. Are you happy to take that 50 at worst case? Yeah. And if you are, 
well then is it actually worth the trade is there something better that you could do because if it's if it's Gibbons as opposed to Fife they can probably throw up exactly the same numbers. Yeah, no. He's, uh, Hayes, sorry, not Fife. Yeah, Fife will yeah. be better. <laughs> no, trust me, no one's going to get those two confused, that's for sure. Uh, Peter uh, Kambaris wants to know, he wants to get your thoughts on Dunkley and Westhoff moving forward. They're pretty nicely priced in real dream team. Um, again, he's talking about Tom Liberatore. Um, can they continue on their performances of the past week, especially for both of those guys, and bounce back to what we saw last year? He's considering chasing one of them instead of paying the big bucks for a Travis Boak? Yeah, it's a big call. We, we've really got, I think really for both of them, we've got one good week of data. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a tough call to make. Um, uh, Dunkley looked amazing. Um, and and that was at, at the expense of Libba. So Libba was, was very far forward. And I think Dunkley had his most centre bounce attendances for the year. So, mm. He looked great, but do, can we t- trust Luke Beveridge? I'm not sure that we can. Um, I wouldn't be jumping on Dunkley after that. You can afford because his price has dropped so much to wait. Um, and if you're doing that, then does that give you the opportunity to look at somebody else who you probably can't afford at the moment, like a boat for argument's sake? Um, from a Westhoff perspective, I spoke about him a little bit before. He does provide an option. I would only look at him if you were running, for example, Gorn or Grundy at R1 and maybe a Riley O'Brien at R2. Mm. I'd potentially then look at him in the forward line as a bit of backup that you've got in case anything happens there. You've got a bit of DPP switcheroo, but I wouldn't be getting him in if you've got those big two. I just don't think it's worth it. All right, fair enough. AFL fantasy question for you from Matthew Dennis. He's thinking about rage trading Patrick Dangerfield to Boak. Uh, his forward cover, he's presuming, which uh, in SEN on Tuesday morning, Patrick Dangerfield said he's, look, he's a little bit touch and go at this stage. Granted, it's very early in the week, but Matthew's referring to, and I know a lot of coaches will be in this dilemma, his forward cover is Parker and Gibbons. Port have got a great run coming up. He also already has Kelly, Myers, Grundy, Gaunt, all in round 13. So he's thinking there's an opportunity to get Boke. I could get Danger back cheaply in a couple of weeks. I get the guy I want. I fix some buy structure up. Do you like that as an AFL strategy, or is it very dangerous getting rid of one of the best players in fantasy footy? Danger getting rid of danger, I reckon, MJ. Um, and look, it's a huge call, and it's a really gutsy call. Mm. Any of those big calls, you need to have your contingency, right? Yeah. How do you get him? You know you're going to need to end your season with him. How do you get him back in without burning the rest of your side yeah. is the challenge. Um, and I think Dangerfield has shown, and yes, I know there was an injury, but most people would have looked at the start of the year and said, he's a guaranteed 100 every week. Yeah. And then he dishes up a stinker last week. So any primo on any given day can dish up a stinker. Yeah. So I think sometimes it can be, as, as much as it hurts and as much as the cash that is lost, and potentially being out this week, it can sometimes be better the devil you know. Yep. And just understand, can, can you do something else to work through this week? Because let's face it, most people are going to be carrying danger anyway. Yep. So don't be different just for the sake of being different. All right, fair enough. Another AFL fantasy question from Michael Brennan. He said, what's the best way to structure your side leading up to the buys? Is it to try and keep it as a prettily... Uh, even spread across the three weeks and across every single line, keeping it really balanced? Or is it okay sometimes to be heavy in one line in one week and heavier in another the next week? 
Yeah, I think we we kind of touched on this before. It's around balance, but obviously you you can be heavier buys towards the back end of the buys because you can upgrade obviously through the buys. Yes. So just be conscious of that. So if you're heavy in round fourteen, it's not the end of the world. Uh, because obviously round 12 players come off their buy, you can upgrade straight to them and the same with round 13. So I'd be reluctant to be too heavy in round 12 right now. And if you are, have a contingency around how you're going to deal with that. But just remember, balance is, balance is key. Understand where your rookies are and where you can call them. And sometimes that might mean, to our Sam Walsh example before, mm. holding them a little bit longer because it's actually going to help you through the buys. And then also, just remember what you can do with your DPP to balance around the buys too. Fair enough too. Paul Erickson wants to know, AFL Fantasy, but really the question could apply to any format. He wants to talk about round 14 forwards. He he wants to get to Cameron and and hope his shoulders and his coach let him get to the buy. Um, Is this realistic and is Tom Lynch the only other sensible option from that round? Round 14, there's there's not a whole ton of forward options. I I think there is... Uh, Tom Lynch from the Crows, maybe an AFL fantasy and dream team, I'd consider that. Jeremy Cameron across the format certainly is a great pick. But I don't mind, there's a a Carlton forward that I don't mind the look of too, especially in Supercoach. Yeah. Um, Look, they're really the big ones. Toby Green's the other one who hasn't really shown yet, but hey, it's Toby Green and you you either are going to go there or you're not. Um, yeah, there's a couple of Colton boys that I really like, but probably more AFL fantasy, okay. um, just just for consistency, and that would be Petrovsky, Seaton, and, and Zach Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, both very very similar. Petrovsky, Seaton probably more so suited uh, for Super Coach, just given his disposal efficiency. Yeah, um, yeah. But look, I, I think it's a brave call. I think in that round 14 by yeah, you've got Cameron's the standout, maybe Green, and then potentially either of the Lynches, but I think. There, Tom Lynch, to your point, Adelaide Tom Lynch in Dream Team could be the go. Um, I don't think uh, Richmond Tom Lynch has shown enough to even consider at the moment. No, unfortunately not. It seems like uh, whether it be just a readjustment, readjusting into the game structure or just physically not quite cherry ripe just yet. He's certainly not a trade-in target at this point. Uh, a good friend of the coaches panel, Patreon, Mal wants to know, uh, if you've had a bad start to the season and want to try to get back into the game, uh, in head-to-head and in rankings, who are some non-vanilla players to keep an eye on? Obviously, with buys in mind too. He's looking at the limited trade formats of Dream Team and, and Supercoach. I, I, I guess for me, I'm keen on your thoughts, Rain Man. They almost are two different strategies, aren't they? When you're looking for uniques in a league versus uniques overall, are, are massively different because someone like an Andrew Gaff may not be unique at all in your league. Five or six of the coaches that are in the top eight may already own him for whatever reason, whereas in contrast to the rest of the overall ranking, he could be, you know, under 10% ownership and be unique. So there's different kinds of uniques and non-vanilla options depending on if rankings is the focus or overall is the focus. Yeah, that's right. And I think if if, if um, your league is the focus, it's pretty easy to go and trawl through your your league your teammates leagues and uh, your league mates teams I should say and see which players they've got so you know you, you can then make decisions on that and it could be a popular pick that you, you take but I guess overall there's a couple that stand out for me and, and they're probably fairly brave calls given what they've dished up but uh, Mitch Duncan is yeah. actually putting a fairly handy season together yeah. um, and you look at what the Cats run looks like um, up until they're by they've got North 
Bulldogs, Gold Coast, Sydney and Richmond. That's pretty tasty. Yeah. Um, and he's at less than 1% of teams in Supercoach at the moment at 534k. Um, so that's good eating, I reckon. We're the lowest of 82 and last two of 116, 126. Um, things point to yes for him. The other one, which would be a hugely brave call, um, in Supercoach, proven ceiling, uh, consistency not his strong point and always susceptible to the tag, is uh, the great Dane Zorko. Yeah. Um, now, we've seen some of the attention shift to Lockie Neal. Does that continue? Don't know. And it could be match-up dependent. Uh, but he could be a real unique. Um, and I think a couple of the guys I mentioned previously um, when we were talking the right to the picking, the, the Luke Ryans, yeah. the Tom Stewart, um, you know, the JPK, the Pendles, some of these guys, and even Gaff, where we kind of alluded to him. Um, I don't think many people have even looked at him due to his delayed start, um, but he, shown, he showed last week what he can do. I've got him in Dream Team and Fantasy. That's um, no, all right. We won't talk about that too much. That's uh, fair enough. I, but but you're right. I, I think there's some gripping options. By the way, Mitch Duncan, when you talk about him, his AFL fantasy numbers, um, less than 1% ownership, averaging 105 for the year, um, has not dropped a score under 86 all season. And so those numbers in, in Dream Team and Fantasy contrast as well in Supercoach. So I really like that one. Really great callers are unique, both in probably in your league. No one's got him. And definitely overall, barely anyone's got him. Um, so yep. safe to say he's probably not in any of your league opponents. Uh, Louis Fry wants to know an AFL Fantasy question. Uh, he, we've talked Tom Liberatore, so Louis, we've kind of we've answered that one for you. But he just wants your thoughts very quickly in AFL Fantasy on Dunkley, Daniel and Sicily. Are they worth bringing into your team? Yes. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think Daniel is he he's that one that has kind of gone under everyone's radar this year. Yeah. There's always one that crops up every year. Super consistent, has the right role, uses the ball really well. Reminds me a lot of a very young Gary Ablett, and I know that's a huge comparison, but yeah. just the way he runs and carries. Um, I like him a lot, and I think he's ultra consistent. I think the other two. Um, have a bit more variability about them, sure. Um, but but are very much in in the mix. And and Sicily, um, I think was kind of very high on everyone's preseason radar, and then had a couple of games forward and, and dropped off. So I think he's he's a reasonable unique that's throwing up some good numbers. Um, and as for Dunks, I think it comes down to the beverage. You know, what does beverage do with his magnets week in week out? Yeah, no, fair enough too. Uh, Johnny Coombs has got a super coach question. We've probably answered it though. Who are the players to get this week? Um, that are bottoming out. Is there anyone like a Fife that was primed for the picking that in Supercoach this week is absolutely ready to go? He's got some cash. He's got Robbie Gray there. Uh, he wants to get Answorth in as well. And if he's named, that's understandable, that trade. Is there anyone in Supercoach that's right for the picking this week? Oh, look, uh, the, pro- probably everyone we've kind of talked through. Yeah. Unless you've got somebody, and, and some of this is around ha- do you back them to, to back up. So Clayton Oliver hasn't had a great year, yeah. um, but he's probably not going to get a huge amount cheaper than what he is now. Yeah. Melbourne have, are, are on the back of a win. Um, he's starting to feel more comfortable in his shoulders, so he, he could be a target. Um, but I think, you know, particularly if he's wanting to get rid of Gray, if he wants a forward, I'd be looking at, you know, the unfortunately, some of the round 12 guys, yeah. uh, whether it be a, a Caleb Daniel or maybe even a David Mundy who could be a bit mm. more unique. Uh, but personally, I, I really like 
uh, Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Uh, last three questions before we're going to wrap up this episode. My goodness, we're actually going to finish before an hour and 55. What a th- novelty from us. <laughs> uh, Travis wants to know another super coach question. He feels like everyone he wants, Lloyd, Heaney, Sicily and Kelly, are a week away from bottoming out. So does the double downgrade or, or is it time now to go on the upgrade? He went early on Answorth, so Corbett and Haitley look like options, but is it also an option for taking someone like a Rockliffe up to a Lloyd or a Fife this week? Uh, yeah, it is. So so Rocky's an interesting one. I think with Brad Ebert out, I think that could spell some some changes to Rocky's scoring. Okay. So we saw, we saw last week, uh, once Ebert went down, Rocky spent a significant time forward. Um, and I think all of the coaches, uh, unfortunately not fantasy coaches, but all of his AFL coaches, uh, kind of lean on his junior days where he was actually a pretty good forward. Yeah. And they sometimes throw him into that role. So I think that could potentially be a danger for Rocky. Could also the ab- absence of wines keep him in the midfield as well? Because they've yeah, come out it, now and said Wines is out not playing as well. It's a, it's a hard one, isn't it? We're trying to future cast. Yeah, it could be. I, I, I think Wines is only a week. Yeah. And I think I think Drew will run through there as he did earlier as well. Yeah. So I think that kind of balances out. I think it's more the EBIT how long that is for because it yeah. feels like longer than a week. Um, I think that to the other question that was asked around, do you reach for some of those guys that haven't dropped yet or yeah. do you do a double downgrade? He mentioned Haitley, and I'm just I'm so reluctant to touch Haitley. Yeah. Um, just look, he doesn't seem to be in Cameron's thoughts as a best 22. He yeah. was a late in for Josh Kelly, um, putting up some good numbers. But was he hard enough around the ball? I don't know. They've got Joe Colgill waiting in the, waiting in the wings. Do yeah. they bring him in? Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't touch that. And look. I, you don't need to trade, even though everybody else is at the moment and there's a lot of people upgrading. If you can't get the player that your heart is set on, don't do it. Just wait. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough and that's some good advice too. Last two questions, are both AFL fantasy related. Kyle Brett wants to know, who are your top five mids to be chasing from now onwards? Price regardless. If you uh, Let me throw some names that if you don't have them, should you be going after them? Let's talk about the guy that probably had his best week definitely for the year, if not uh, for a really long period of time, Andrew Gaff. Is he a serious target to chase? Absolutely. Trelaw? Yes. Cripps? Yes. Okay. This is our AFL Fantasy. O'Meara? Maybe, but uh, uh, he just... He, his first quarter last week was exemplary. Yeah. But then he hit the showers as far as the scoring was concerned. Yeah. So, yeah, you need, need to probably see another week of O'Meara. All right, fair enough. I'll keep throwing through another couple of names. Again, we're just looking for top five, but I'm just throwing names out at you and also trying to tre- stretch the podcast closer to an hour. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Lockie Neal, is he a fantasy target? Uh, yes, but not right now. All right, fair enough. Matt Crouch. <sighs> Maybe I, I, I have him, yeah. Uh, but he just he he has to work so hard to get those points, yeah. You know, and unless he's getting thirty-five possessions, he's not scoring a hundred. No, he's not. Uh, Pendlebury, yes. Rockliffe, no. Merritt, yes. Canelio, no. McRae, yes. Sloan. Yes. Kennedy. 
No. Oliver? No. Brayshaw? No. And then Yo. There's a couple. Yes. Okay, so there you go. There, there are some surprising yeses and surprising noes. Uh, if people want to ask a little bit more questions to you about that, uh, where can they find you on Twitter, man? <laughs> yeah, they can hit me up on Twitter at It's the Rain Man, and I'm, I look forward to the abuse. Oh, I'm looking. <laughs> there were there were some ones there. I'm like, wow, we've given a no and a yes to that, and I love that. And that's what the beauty of you talked about it right at the start of this episode. And and Tom Lee will get to your question in a second. That's the beauty of that the midfield group now, isn't it? It's gone of the year where it's like, okay, it's Mitchell. Daylight next three players. Daylight is is there's just this bunch of about fifteen guys that seem to be sitting around that marker that could all be the one ten averager from now to the end of the year. Because who gives a stuff what they've averaged up until this point? If you don't own them, it's now about what they're going to do, not what they have done. Because if you don't have those points in the bank, who cares? It's done nothing for you. That's just identifying their price for you. But that's the beauty of this year in not just fantasy, dream team, super coach. It really does feel a really wide open year, especially in our midfield premiums. Yeah, and and you know, there's some names that we didn't even go there, like Hunter, yeah, Taranto, um, you know, side bottom, yeah. Uh, a, a, any of these guys, given on their form and getting a, a string of games together, they could be in the mix. Yep, no, that's certainly true. Um, Tom's got a last AFL fantasy question. Uh, I'm intrigued, and, and and I think this was asked pre, um. Uh, pre Ollie Wines getting confirmed out. Ollie Wines is confirmed out. Brad Ebert is confirmed out. Tom Jonas is confirmed out. So uh, not a great trio for for Port Adelaide fans, nor for a couple of AFL fantasy coaches through there. But uh, he's looking at doing the Drew to Boke and Walsh to Toronto trade this week. Is that the sort of trade he should be looking at this week in AFL fantasy? Again, we don't know the other 26 players, but is there a better use of his cash that he's got clearly a ton of it in the bank? Um, yeah. Is there some better moves you could be looking at? Yeah, I would say there probably is, particularly around Drew. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's still got money to be made, and he's handy, and it's not like we have any other screaming downgrade options that could actually help with that. So yeah. from a rookie perspective, he's actually okay. Understand that it gets you broke. Both normally plays well in the showdown, but pff, Drew could as well in, in the wind app and EBIT absence. Mm. Um so, yeah, look, I'd probably hold off. And we talked around Walsh before as well. So, again, my thoughts are think think with the buy in mind. Um, if you're going uh, bulk again in that forward structure, what does that look like for, for that particular buy round? And obviously with Sam Walsh, I'm, I'm just a, a big advocate of riding him to his buy if you possibly can. All right, fair enough. Hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts as we've talked through uh, plenty of stuff uh, this episode. As always, mate, a pleasure to chat to you. Yeah, great to chat, MJ. Thanks. Uh, if you want to go back and check out all the other podcast episodes, you can do that via Spotify and also iTunes. If you're consuming this via iTunes and loving the content, we would really appreciate you leaving a, a nice little rating and review. It helps other people discover what you know about the Coaches Panel. Plenty of articles landing this week at CoachesPanel.tv. Our Patreons, your regular exclusive content that will continue to land for you. We hope everything as you head into round eight goes incredibly well for you, that your cash cows fire, that you get that cash cow roulette nice and right, that the right ones are on the ground, that your unique players fire, that your captain kills it, and that as you enter out of this round, you've got your best score ever.